Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 751. We're looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Let's read our passage. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this Gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to show that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, expected by the Jewish people, forecast in the Old Testament. He's writing primarily to a Jewish audience, and he uses a lot of Old Testament imagery to make his point. Matthew has so far laid out the beginning part where he was giving the scriptural evidence that Jesus is the Messiah, from his genealogy to the wise men coming from the East to declare him the king of the Jews, to the temptation by Satan, even Satan recognizing he is the Son of God. Then he started showing the teaching, preaching, and healing ministry of Jesus. And he highlighted the teaching ministry so far with the Sermon on the Mount. Then he had these series of miracles. We showed that there were nine miracle events separated into three groups of three. Well, throughout Matthew's Gospel, he has what we call these five discourses. And a discourse is just an extended teaching narrative. And the first one was the Sermon on the Mount. We can call that the Discourse on Discipleship. Well, now we start into the second discourse, the Discourse on Mission. And it goes from chapter 9, verse 35, through chapter 11, verse 1. And this is the section where he's sending his disciples out throughout Galilee to carry on his ministry and extend his ministry throughout Galilee. And he's giving them instructions prior to their leaving. So this whole section from here through the beginning of chapter 11 is prior to sending them out, giving them instructions. Now much of this is also in Mark and Luke. A lot of the detailed language is not all together. It's in different spots. Now there's couple of options on this. One is Matthew just has collected these various sayings and put them here as a convenient spot to capture these sayings of Jesus, because Matthew is looking at things more topical. Matthew just presents this one big Galilean ministry, whereas in the other Gospels, he goes back and forth between Galilee and Judea a few times. Or, the tack I take on this is, well, Jesus said all these things right here and now, preparing his disciples to go out on this particular mission, because there are things he said probably several times in several locations. If you look at this section, 935 through 11.1, if you just read it out loud, it takes less than five minutes. And the time Jesus spent prepping his disciples to go out on this mission was probably a whole lot more than five minutes. So there was a whole lot more that went on, a whole lot more that was said. It seems like a whole lot because it's all of chapter 10, the tail end of chapter 9 and the first verse of chapter 11. Basically, it's a chapter. 
And it, like I said, it takes less than five minutes to read it. So Jesus spent a lot more than that prepping these disciples. So there's a lot more that was said. But these are the highlights that Matthew captures. And they're probably highlights that Jesus said a lot of times in a lot of places. So the fact that some of these very words are used in different scenarios in the other Gospels, I would get worried about that. I say the same things to people all the time because they're important and they need to be gotten across. Now, this actual narrative of sending the twelve out, empowering them and sending them, is paralleled in Mark 6 and Luke 9. Let's dive into it in chapter 9, verse 35. This is at the end of the three groups of three miracles. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages. Now, remember, Matthew has all this still happening in Galilee. These miracles, they were all done around the Sea of Galilee, either there in the area of Copernicum or across the lake where he calmed the storm, crossing the lake, and healed the men possessed by the demons. So he's going around to towns and villages in Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. This is almost verbatim for what we saw back in chapter 4, verse 23, this teaching, preaching, and healing ministry. Now, he specifically says teaching in their synagogues. Now, that would be going into the synagogue for their religious services and providing actual Old Testament instruction for the people. That's the teaching. Preaching the good news. This is out and about in the open, speaking to whoever will listen about the kingdom of heaven. Then healing every disease and every sickness. This is the working of miracles, specifically healing. Now, it says every disease and every sickness. It doesn't mean every single person who has any kind of disease anywhere. When he says every, a good way to think of that would be every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. And so he healed a lot of people from a lot of diseases and sicknesses. In verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Okay, here's a shift in the crowds here. To this point, the crowds have kind of been background. Crowds have been the people who've been amazed when Jesus performs a miracle. The crowds are people who saw Jesus teaching his disciples. So the crowds have shifted now from just background group to people who are the focus of his ministry. So he sees the crowds and feels compassion for them, specifically because they're distressed and dejected. Now, what's that mean? Well, from Jesus' perspective, these are sinners lost, separated from God, with no ability to remedy their situation. That's why they're unable to rescue themselves. They are like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this is Old Testament imagery. So often in the Old Testament, you have this imagery of God as the shepherd of God's people. The Israel is the flock with God as the shepherd. And there are under shepherds, the religious leaders of the Israelites. Back in Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 16, you have this imagery of God dissatisfied with 
the under shepherd. So if we just pick out some verses out of Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should the shepherds feed their flock? And so he goes on about how they have abused the people. And down verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God, because my flock, lacking a shepherd, has become prey and food for every wild animal. And because my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flocks. And down in verse 11, for this is what the Lord God says, see, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. So the imagery of the religious leaders are the shepherds, but they're really the under shepherds. And here God says, you guys have failed. I am stepping in and taking care of them because they are a sheep without a shepherd. Similarly, in Numbers 27, verses 17 and 18, God is speaking to Moses and says, who will go out before them and come back in before them and who will bring them out and bring them in so, so the Lord's community won't be like sheep without a shepherd. We'll reply to Moses, take Joshua, son of man, who has a spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. So here's commissioning of Joshua to take over from Moses to be the shepherd of God's people because he doesn't want God's people to be without a shepherd. So this imagery here in verse 36 like sheep without a shepherd. That's how Jesus views the crowds. Sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, then he says to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Well, so far, who's been doing the work? And what's he mean by the harvest? Well, the harvest is the bringing in of the people into the kingdom. Much like the imagery he had used earlier, that I will make you fishers of men, that is to find people and bring them in. So here the harvest is bringing people in. Most places in the Old Testament, the idea of the Lord's harvest is one of judgment. But here it's a positive note that the harvest is bringing people in as the desired crop into the kingdom. So who have been the workers of the harvest? So this point's been Jesus, Jesus alone. And here he's commissioning his disciples to also be workers in the harvest. But what's the harvest? Well, the harvest is everyone, and the workers are few. The solution to that, verse 38, Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So the Lord of the harvest, this is really human imagery here. The Lord of the harvest, you could say the master of the harvest, the man in charge of the harvest. Well, obviously, in this situation, the Lord of the harvest is God, because the harvest is bringing people into God's kingdom. And he is the Lord of the harvest, and he is the one we pray to. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So this is beginning this mission discourse where Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples to send them out on his mission. So we're seeing a definition of what the mission of Jesus is, what the 
mission of the disciples is becoming, and by extension, what our mission is. And so some of these takeaways are still applicable to us. The harvest still is abundant, and the workers few compared to the harvest. And so, just as Jesus told his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, we should pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. That is, to empower his people to engage the crowd with the gospel. That teaching, preaching, healing ministry, specifically the preaching, preaching the good news of the kingdom, telling people about the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.